0: After putting out 112 episodes, the energies are shifting and we are moving into a change in the format of this podcast. So why not have some fun and ask Alexander some personal, serious, and then some not so serious questions so we can get to know the man behind the wise wise a little more intimately. In this episode, we finally get to the bottom of the green bean versus broccoli debate. Some of the traditional interview questions like, Who Would Play You in a Movie, and Pineapple on Pizza, and then finally wrapping up with How Would You Like to Be Remembered? We also touch upon what the new format is going to be, so if that curious mind is waiting to know, keep it streaming. And now, let's journey. Eyes wise, With Aaron and Alexander
1: Uncovering our authentic self
0: Through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility We got some fun for everybody today Alexander's on the hot seat (laughs) (laughs) We're We're going to shake it up (laughs) We're going to be asking him some fun and some serious questions Some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff Maybe some things that we've always wanted to know about Alexander but you know sticking to the regular topics of the episodes we don't really get to hear or ask so looking forward to having some fun today sharing some laughs and, and just some uh, good reflections yes yeah, yeah reflecting yeah. on yeah reflecting on the, the last four and a half years 112 episodes that we've done yep. and as we get ready to bring in some more creativity into the podcast we wanted to pause and reflect and have some fun and start that that process of more creativity
1: so as we are changing our platforms and it's brought in a new level of creativity and it's going to be a little bit of storytelling involved we're going to really celebrate the 112 episodes that we did in the other format and of course they'll still be available very dense information and we've covered a lot over these four years and we're very happy to be part of that and thankful to the divine for providing this outlet to get it out to you people
0: All right. Well, let's start with something serious. Since you have your ear to the ground as far as like the energy or just the sense of what everybody's going through, what is something that you see many people struggling with right now?
1: Well, right now there's just a lot of frustration is one of the main um, emotions that I see people experiencing. And I see frustration as like a carrier emotion, kind of like there are carrier drugs that certain drugs lead you to other drugs, and frustration is one of those emotions that lead you to whatever your uh, default emotion is. And with my clients, I'd like to suggest for everyone to consider that you have two main emotions that is really going to be your opportunity to learn to manage, kind of like children, because they're going to be with you more than likely throughout your whole year. The whole approach of the Just Philosophy isn't to fix things or to correct them, but to learn to manage them and to shift the energy. For my whole life, the two emotions were frustration and insecurity. And so I've been working on those now for 25 years and I continue on a daily basis. But I think that that's what everyone is really being triggered by in these times that we're in right now is mainly frustration, which leads to many, many different types of emotional reactions.
0: Let's go back to the start of your journey. What was the defining moment that you realized that this was your path?
1: Mm. By path, I'm going to take that as what set me in a different life direction or different perception of life, as opposed to something just like around the podcast. And that event happened between 26 and 27 years old when my band at the time. I was a semi-professional musician and traveled and toured around and played and I still had to work jobs in between as well. And we had a opening slot with a band called the Red Hot Chili Peppers at an ample theater in Charlotte. And I had taken my bass guitar in to get souped up, so to say, and get ready for that show. And I was going to pick it up And it was a 90-some degree July day with very high humidity. And I'd picked up my base, and I was on the way home, and my car broke down. And this was right after me getting the message the day before the show that we had gotten kicked off of the bill. We had hundreds of people coming from the local area to go down. So this was just really going to make me look bad. And so when my car broke down on the way back, I literally left it, abandoned it on the side of the road in five o'clock traffic and walked down into a field and sat down and had what I think most people would consider a breakdown. And I just remember having a, a release, crying, but not really knowing why. And then this thought came through to me that I will never allow anything external to have this much control over my happiness. And I really didn't even understand what that meant at that time, but it was so crystal clear. And then it was just within weeks when I met some Hare Krishnas dancing in a parking lot and selling their books. And then I got introduced to metaphysics and Alan Watts and Alice Huxley and Yogananda and Gandhi and all these different philosophers and metaphysical teachers. And that began my journey to studying a minimum of eight hours a day. And once I found my subject, which I couldn't find in public schools, it really lit me up to dive deep. And so for 10 years, I did an extreme study on metaphysics and everything connected to it.
0: And I did have a question from your band days. What's probably the one thing that you could say that you learned from that whole experience? I'm not sure how long it was. Was it like eight about 10 11 years? years. Okay, 11, 11 years. years what's the one thing that you can look back on, the, the biggest lesson that you learned that has carried through in your self-growth journey?
1: Great question. And sometimes we're being trained for what is ahead of us before we even realize it. And in the bands, the main thing that I learned, which was a lot about music, a lot about self-expression, a lot about the confidence, there was a lot of variables that I learned so much during that time, but it was really around the relationships. And I wound up, for whatever reason, always being put in the middle as like the buffer between the two band members that were heated at each other. And I had no idea that I was being put in that role. And But over time, I started seeing that that was just becoming my role, that I was helping people. In the bands to see the other person's way that they're seeing things and not trying to convince either one, but just trying to bridge the gap between these two different views. And so that helped to train me, of course, later on when I developed my practice approximately 15 years later. To be able to assist people rather than looking to fix them or looking to heal them or any of that, just being able to assist them to find their own way through the healing that they are connected with and it's time for them to go through.
0: What song would you choose as the theme music of your life?
1: Mm, Well, I think it's a great one, and I'm going to give the first one that came, not saying that this is the one that I would finalize in my biography, but there's a song named They Say I'm Different by Betty Davis. And I'm not saying the lyrics explain my view of my experience, but if you're able to see everything as a metaphor, it's a great explanation of just feeling different, feeling like I didn't fit in, feeling like confused how everyone else could live such a mundane life and be basically like what some people consider sheep and just very trusting of their government and their school systems and that type of thing. Not that I judge that at all now because there's a comfort in that. But it was very confusing for me for a long time and all of that helped to lead me to be interested in seeking another life. So when I realized that sometimes our families are there to teach us what not to do and we can only get that lesson when we stop judging them. So we have people that come in our life to teach us what to do, and then we have people that come in our lives to just merely teach us what not to do. And if you can stay out of judgment, that's your only discernment that you need, that somebody in front of you at all times is either exemplifying what works to help bring people closer and to communicate or what gets in the way of that. And again, the key is staying out of judgment.
0: Okay, I think this is going to be the most popular question that everybody wants to know. Mm. Green beans or broccoli, Alexander? <laughs> oh man,
1: definitely green beans. However, I do like broccoli with a lot of cheese, I will admit. And as a matter of fact, I just had green beans before you got here today.
0: <laughs> I would also throw some butter on that broccoli. Oh yeah, yeah, love um, the butter. What would be your favorite quote? Cuz you you have a lot of quotes within this philosophy, but Personally, it can even be something outside of this, maybe something that means more to you uh, than it would to us being noobs yes. in this well, work. But
1: Well, I'm going to give two, and I'm going to give one that has meant the world to me that came from someone else, and then I'm going to give one that came to me that I feel like I was part of creating it, receiving it from the divine. So the one that came to me to share with others is... It may not be love if you're looking for something in return. And when that came to me in a meditation, it changed the way that I approached everybody that I came in contact with. And to really see that loving actions are truly those that most of the time, nobody even knows that you did anything. And so that's one that I really enjoy expressing to others and reminding others and helping them to understand that deeper and deeper. But the one that has helped me through some of my hardest times is forgive them father for they know not what they do and that's a saying from jesus and it's helped me in so many situations when i was working on learning to manage my emotional reactions and shift those two responses that that was one of my buffers that i used for my mental when i was practicing my pause that i've shared with everybody to take a pause before responding or reacting to anything And in that pause, many times if I felt offended or negative emotion, that would be what I would feed my mind is forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Because most people don't have ill intentions to hurt others, but we're not aware of each other's triggers and those types of things. So that's helped me to live in forgiveness and to trust time is the title tale, as I like to say. And so, time reveals most everything if one is truly licking.
0: So, Jocko just climbed onto my lap and onto my notebook, and so I figured we'd throw in a question about him. In what ways has he assisted in your self-development practice, your daily life, or even with clients?
1: Yeah, Jocko is my powerful cat, for those of you that haven't been introduced. He's even on the website. He's a very important and special part of my life. He is a teacher. He came in completely feral, and now he's one of the most loving animals that I've ever had the, the fortune to be around, not just own, but to be around. And he does play a role with my clients. He started to be involved in the majority of my sessions, and the clients seem to really enjoy him sitting in their lap, and he tends to cater to the clients rather than to me. And then we have our time in the evening, so to say. But he is a great example of how much we all have the opportunity to truly change and heal. And he came from being, like I said, feral and extremely wild to now he greets everybody that comes up, even the outside events that we have here. Everybody looks for Jocko to be around. So I'm very grateful to that being and look forward to continue developing that connection.
0: Yeah, he seems to really exemplify the vibration of love. Just always wants to be pet or always wants to be around humans, always purring.
1: I agree. I agree. And it is it's special. I, I certainly don't want to take uh, too much of the credit there because he's done a lot of work to shift. And, you know, last season, he even got bit on the face by a snake and swole up by the size of a softball. And so that's changed him a little bit. Now he's a little bit more skittish than he used to be, but he's still extremely cool and laid back, but a little bit more aware of his surroundings, we'll say. What was the most
0: challenging self-development concept for you to learn on your journey?
1: Oh, by no, no question, working and learning to manage the emotion of frustration. And that was just something that until I was 40 years old, I didn't realize that I basically lived in a state of frustration. And so after my partner Sherry died, you know, I went into a five-year healing crisis based around chest pain and heart palpitations, and it did wind up being the emotion frustration. And so it took me two years to learn to shift that and what to do and how to live my life outside of frustration. And this is, again, why I brought up those two main emotions for everyone, because it's going to be a lifelong journey working on those two main ones. And many times people will work on the easier ones. And that's okay, because sometimes we need to feel a sense of accomplishment. But these two main ones are ones that need to be managed almost every day. And so in order for me to get out of pain, I had to learn to live my life outside of frustration. And that's still Attempts to show up every now and then and my body will come back and let me know my chest gets tight And it can bring back some feelings of the past the pain the discomfort And so now it's just a general reminder for me to redirect my energy and normally now that's just a message to Get still and you can be still even in movement But it means that i'm too scattered And i'm not seeing things clearly and that I need to pull back a little bit And so now I'm very thankful that my biggest obstacle has become my biggest teacher and continues to be there for me to learn from each and every day.
0: What would you call the podcast if it wasn't called Wise Wise? We kind of had this discussion like a few weeks ago, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I like this phrase. I considered this as a book title as well. But information for a small percentage of the human population, and you may or may not be one of them. I like that. Yeah. Because some people use the phrase, the work. And I've always enjoyed hearing people try to explain what they meant by doing their work. And that's what the Just Philosophy is all about, is logistical ways in everyday situations to do the work. And what we mean by that is whatever is challenging. If it's challenging for you to do, more than likely it's good for you. And this is how we work on strengthening and learning to stand in our power, And releasing family lineage and old habits through discipline and structure. And so that's just a brief breakdown of this philosophy. But yeah, I like that vibe.
0: Do you have any favorite moments of doing the podcast or any bloopers that you still think about every once in a while?
1: Well, I know that we've had some laugh attacks that you and I definitely have from time to time. I think the main thing that I've enjoyed is just in the beginning, we set out with the concept to just create a platform of a conversation. And I can honestly say that I am very content with the level that we have been able to carry that on because when the mics aren't on, we're still having the same kind of conversations and sometimes the better part of the conversation comes after or before we hit the record button but those are moments for us to share and to continue to grow closer in our connection and to always be generating new stuff to talk about so I think both of those developments simultaneously and being able to continue to ride the authentic questions that you ask and to work with my design and my human design i am d- designed to answer questions so it's just really worked out beautifully and it's been one of the most fulfilling partnerships that i've ever gotten to be part of
0: what is your favorite flavor of gum <laughs> <laughs> mm.
1: i have to go to strawberry bubblelicious from back in the wow. day wow oh man yeah it'd probably be strawberry bubblicious. Did you ever do the Big League Chew? I did the Big League Chew. I preferred the grape. I was wow, I don't that. think many people like the grape. I like the grape. I like the grape. So, see, it depends on the type of gum as to the flavor that I really like because another gum that very few people will know of is a gum called tea berry and it can only be gotten in this kind of uh, mid-east coast area, and it has like a clove flavor to it. And so if I had to just pick an ultimate favorite gum, it would be T-berry, more than likely. But from the old school being a kid, I would definitely go to that uh, strawberry bubble
0: So we asked that question because a couple episodes ago, Alexander had a coughing attack, and <laughs> then he, he chewed some gum. And thankful to our editing, we were able to minimize how much, it, <laughs> how, yes, many, how yes. many clicks there were. But that was the joke on that question.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Pineapple on pizza? Um, One piece out of ten. (laughs) So you you just want, like, all pizza and just have, like, one piece of pineapple or one section of it? Well, normally I would
1: do, like, if somebody wanted pineapple, then I would do half the pizza with pineapple, and then I would just ask for one piece of that. Yeah. Okay, okay.
0: Your favorite vinyl album that you own or not own right
1: now? Oh, man. Well, I, I have to say that favorite is hard... Again, I'm gonna just share what popped into my head, and that when I was able to land an an OG, which is an original version of a Betty Davis album, that was a wonderful moment in my collecting. Since then, I have uh, purchased a remastered version that actually sounds a little bit better, but it's still uh, very special to have the OG of Betty Davis because there's so so few of them out there. In the world. And
0: share a little bit about what got you into vinyl because it's probably what got me into vinyl but I want people out there because we've talked about vinyl and maybe there's some questions about why Alexander wants to listen to old records or whatever but there is a a little bit of a lure out there.
1: Yeah well being a musician and uh, I pulled away from playing for quite a while after I went through that career we'll call it and I started looking at music a completely different way, and rather than from a musician standpoint, I started looking at music from a writer standpoint. And when I started looking at music from a writer standpoint, then I just got more and more into uh, quality of the sound of every instrument of, of the vocals, which led me to realizing that I wasn't being satisfied with digital music, and I had had a record player and albums. For more than 20 years, but they'd probably been in storage for at least 10 years or so. And so I just pulled them out one day and put them on and listened to a few of them. And immediately I felt like a difference in the quality. And that really lit a fire under me to research equipment, which I got into 70s. Japanese made seems to be the most respected picked up a Sansui amp, then I upgraded my turntable with an old 70s Pioneer turntable, picked up a early 80s EQ, some 70s speakers, and it became the best way I've ever listened to music, and even through headphones. And so that's how that kind of developed, was a yearning for the best quality, and then also being able to, this is a unknown fact, but being able to slow the album down with the variable speed of the old players to bring it into the resonance of A equals 432 hertz as opposed to A equals 440 hertz, which is what the majority of all of our music is tuned to. And many believe that 432 hertz is more in alignment with nature, which I follow that uh, perception. And so I listen to all my music in an optimal tuning And now when I go to other people's houses or even in my car and listen to any kind of digital, it's a drastic difference. And I know that you've had your own experience in that. So take this time to share a little bit of your journey.
0: I think the more you get into this work, you become more in tune with what is authentic or more authentic in this world. And you start to appreciate nature more. You notice things like that. And I think it was the same thing. I remember when you introduced me to vinyl, I was kind of like, Ugh, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't like old things. Yeah, I remember, so. <laughs> I remember you not grabbing yeah, onto it yeah. right away. Yeah, but the more you showed it to me and the more I heard a difference in specifically the percussion, it's less tinny, less high range. Mm-hmm. People call it, more warmth in the music and since getting my sansui amp i really hear that difference and now i want to listen more and more and i just had the thought that i wish there was a turntable i could put in my car like you also (laughs) mentioned to me last year so it was a, a similar journey except i fell in love with the whole experience of holding the album in my hands because it's bigger than a cd so the album artwork is larger you can hold it you open it and then also the colors of the vinyl really really appeal to me. Mm -hmm. There's so much creativity that goes into it rather than just like the standard black. So I enjoy listening as well as collecting the different colors and rarities of them. I've even got into, not on purpose, but got into kind of buying and selling Mm -hmm. rare vinyl. It just kind of came to me and it's really allowed me to utilize that three of diamonds energy that i have in my destiny card birth card it it just comes to me and it's fun it's intriguing i love buying vinyl from one area and bringing it to another demographic that may not be aware that it exists or it may be hard to get so i'm kind of like kind of play the same role as i do in the podcast
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, and in between a mediator between two sets of people bridge yeah a beautiful bridge that's a much needed facet in this life yeah
0: What superpower would you choose if you could have one?
1: It would probably be ultrasound, like to be able to use sound in the most intense and effective way and uh, really feel that it could, of course, take care of the majority of our uh, wellness issues. And fortunately, we're going more and more in that direction But, yeah, I think that would be my choice.
0: So originally when you said that, I thought you were talking about, like, you want to see people's organs. But (laughs) you're actually talking about, like, the healing aspect of sound, like being able to do it with, like, your hands or you're just making a noise. Yeah, but
1: just being able to generate any frequency that you wanted in any type of situation. The government uses sound in ways that most... People aren't even aware of uh, Able to disorient soldiers and many different things So sound has been used at a very deep level Even as back as World War II Germany was really into metaphysics So it's much more popular than most people are aware of And it is growing in popularity And I think to be able to access any frequency at any time I think would be an ultimate power So we talk a lot about being the tree and being flexible What kind of tree would you be? A weeping willow I don't have to think too long on that. Now, I have a weeping cherry tree that is a dedication to Sherry, and it's, uh, I have to say, the most beautiful tree on my property. But just the tree that I've always felt so uh, just connected to and always wanted one on my property is weeping willows. I think they're just amazing.
0: That's funny you say that because a weeping willow is also one of my favorite trees. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's pretty cool. cool. Now what I thought you were going to pick, I thought you might pick the sycamore because you wrote a poem about that. Yes, yes. So what is your favorite topic to discuss on the podcast or even in person when you get the chance to bring up certain
1: things? Probably just off the top of my head, when someone has a moment of recognition of a pattern that they have been creating and they finally see how to break that pattern and they're excited to to talk about it and they are not judgmental on themselves if they failed at it and they're able to say, oh man, today... Life got one up on me. I didn't handle this as well as I was hoping to, but this is what I learned from it. So I really enjoy conversations where people start with, this is where I failed, or this is where I messed up, or this is where I see that the issue began, and then this is what I learned out of it. And now moving forward, this is what I'm going to do. That's what feeds me is those three scenarios right there, because it takes humility. It takes being still. Being present, and then it takes perseverance, structure, and discipline. Uh, a few of the main characteristics that I hold dear to this whole philosophy. What do you wish more people asked you about? Where they fool themselves. And again, this brings in a different level of humility. And I keep that within my own practice to make sure every few months. I'm asking someone close to me where they see that I'm failing or where they see that I'm fooling myself. And that's also a question that I like to provide with people to say, if Jesus could walk into the room and was only going to be here for 30 seconds, do you know what you would ask? This is a favorite question of mine to just ask people randomly. And I hardly ever got anybody that could answer that question, but they would always typically turn it on me and say, what would you ask? And I said I would ask Jesus where I'm fooling myself. That's, that's what I ask all wise people when I get around them. So yeah, that would definitely be my answer where that's concerned.
0: Is it safe to say that if I asked you who in the past would you go back and have dinner with, would it be Jesus?
1: Yeah, it would be so many, but the head of the list would be Jesus. Yes. Yes, definitely. And you would ask that question? Yeah, the very first one. And maybe the conversation would just grow from there.
0: Who would you want to play you in a movie about your life?
1: Mm. that's a real good call and question. Not from an acting standpoint, but from a personality standpoint, I would like to consider casting Keanu Reeves because I think that he's an amazing person. He's not my favorite actor in the world. Now, acting-wise, I really like Edward Norton, so I think either two of those would be um, pretty suitable. I think Brad Pitt could play the role possibly as well. <laughs>
0: Now, within your vinyl journey, you've definitely gone through many different genres of music. And recently, you've been getting into rap. And so I wanted to mention that so people out there can understand the roundness of you as a person where you're not just stuck with whatever it is, 70s hair brands or whatever. Some people can get stuck in one genre. But I wanted you to to talk about how you got into rap
1: and why you listen to it great question and i think this will surprise a lot of people but yes i enjoy most all genres of music and i've gone through different periods of time of being very influenced by many different genres even country music as a very young teenager and now at the stage of life that i'm in i really seek out things that I look to resist. And I've been doing this for the past 25 years or so. But I'd say six or eight months ago, I realized that I didn't have any rap in my collection except Beastie Boys. I guess that can be considered rap, but not everyone considers them rap. And so I started looking at that within myself and started asking why I resist this. And so I started doing research and looking for input from those around me, from those from the past that were big rap fans when I was in my band days. And a lot of people that I worked with on some jobs were really into rap music and gave me a lot of insight to the origination of it. Since then, I've watched many documentaries on it because, again, this is a study in any time you can study that that you resist, you can learn a lot about yourself And find out that you have been probably misled in the past. So I chose approximately 10 of what was fairly unquestionable, the top rap artists of all times. And then I researched and asked different people what they felt like their best album of these certain people were. And so I went completely across the board. And from thug gangster rap to conscious rap to entertainment rap like the Beastie Boys and saw that all of it has something to offer. But the one thing that I really dug about rap that I wanted to share with people is that that genre got created where people only had creativity. They didn't have money to buy instruments. They didn't have money to even buy records. They were using their mom and dad's records and DJs learned to just loop certain parts of the record that didn't have any singing over it And then people learn to do words over those loops. And so understanding it from the ground up and what went into it and the hope it gave like whole communities and in places that were very hard to live and very hard to get any way to express yourself, I started really getting into that level of appreciation of it and listening to the stories that these rappers are telling, because most of them are just talking about their environment, about what they're experiencing and of course, I don't resonate with the more gangster uh, type of rap. I I resonate with rather than belittling the women and talking about guns and money. There's other rap out there that's what I call more conscious that talks about getting out of the ghetto, getting out of those limitations through their words, through their art, through their creativity. And so, see, I found a whole genre of rap that I just really, really enjoy and love the, the style of poetry and the lessons that they're looking to help other people to hear in that more of a conscious view. But see, it's necessary for that gangster rap to be there too, because it is the polarity. I want to go into the full experience to truly get clear and conscious on what I'm going to resonate with and then be completely comfortable with what I don't resonate with and get past any judgments that I need to to truly learn to see it as art
0: yeah and I think some of uh, your introduction into some rap was through documentaries and I also wanted to bring that up because you do watch a lot of documentaries and so what is one of the main things as to why you watch documentaries like what do you get out of it
1: Yes, the story of the word perseverance. And in all of these documentaries about any type of artist, whether it's a painter, a dancer, an actor, uh, a musician, there's always a point of time in the story to where they want to give up. And these that have the documentaries about them, they didn't give up. Or even after they gave up, they still had such an impact. So I look for people that are ahead of their time, that struggled through most of their life, through a creative way of expressing themselves. But many times the story doesn't end happily. And there's something to learn from that struggle to see, like, there's a part of the struggle that they don't let go of, that they don't release, that they just keep that struggle going. And when I can view that through someone else's story and see where that breaking point was to either break them out of that pattern or... That almost broke them from continuing on and they had the perseverance to do that. That is very inspiring for me. And it helps me to also uh, read and understand my clients better when the more stories that I experience, the more of these frequency-based patterns that you can see. And so it's really about that perseverance. And normally there's some type of structure and discipline involved in the perseverance, even when these artists are fighting inebriation and fighting being addicts, there's still a consistency there that drives them. And that's plugging into the music and the creativity. And that's what I want more and more people in this world and listening to this podcast to really see yourself as a creative being, whether you've been taught and you believe that you weren't creative. That's such a shame because everyone is creative. Everyone can be spontaneous, through practice and through effort. So I think that the perseverance and then that breaking point of either someone continuing on to pass that breaking point or the breaking point and when it was their downward spiral seeing what they weren't able to let go of.
0: Who would you say is the most influential person in your life?
1: Would you say all times or presently living? I would
0: say somebody who was living during your life because otherwise it will be probably...
1: Jesus. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Buddha and Gandhi and Yogananda, many, many. Well, most influential in my life that I did experience was probably one of the most brief meetings of anyone, and it was a gentleman named Sam, and he was one of my teachers that only got to be around approximately 10 months. But it was the timing. It was where I was at in my development. It was the fact that he was only available in very small stints, And he was the most passively authoritative person that I ever worked with. He's the one that taught me to listen rather than hear. He's the one that taught me to learn to be still. He's the one that taught me to live outside of judgment. And that if I can stay out of judgment, that someone always has something to teach you, which became one of my pillars, that every situation and every person has the opportunity to teach you something. In his teaching to me was if you can stay out of judgment, they're either teaching you what to do or what not to do. But as soon as you go into judgment, you lose all of the benefit of that interaction. So, Ode to Sam.
0: And, like, what kind of person was he? Because I've heard some of these stories, but in my head I always think of him as, like, a monk. So, <laughs> <laughs> like what like, he was an actual person. I don't know at what point in his life that you met him, but did he have a job? Like, how mortal was he?
1: Extremely mortal. He had a regular family, like most everyone else, a little bit estranged from them. He was retired. He was approximately in his early 70s, total guess. He could have been in his latter 70s. But he took care of himself physically and watched what he ate. He was even plugged into helping local hospitals that no one knew that he was involved at all, and that was part of his agreement. And so he was a very ordinary, everyday-looking person, that was one of the most uh, powerful beings that I've ever had the pleasure of being around.
0: All right, and starting to wrap this up, I wanted to get your advice that you would offer somebody in their 20s, 40s, and 60s, and we could just take it like that. So what would you offer somebody in their 20s today?
1: 20s is that everything worth experiencing takes longer to understand than you have any concept of at this time. In 40s, it would be that The most challenging situations offer you the most reward, so choose wisely. Someone in their 60s, be very careful with what you've been taught. It was given from love, from wanting to help, but it has created a lot of obstacles. So be open to new ways.
0: All right, and our last question to wrap up all of this is, how would you like to be remembered?
1: I would like to be remembered as useful, helpful, and an example of love compassion and helpfulness that would be a beautiful honor
0: all right didn't want to get on the the low note at the end but i feel like it it does fit to end on that but i did want to wrap up this episode by mentioning and and discussing uh, a little bit about what we're transitioning into so we've been kind of teasing the more creative aspect or format of the new podcast But I just kind of want to mention a little bit more about that. Alexander, do you want to?
1: Looking very forward to it. I think Aaron is as well. And we've had a great time up to this point creating the stories. I think we've both been pleasantly pleased with the grace that we've been given and how well it's worked so far. We had never really shared writing styles with each other in this capacity. And I think there was some pleasant surprises in that. And I'm really looking forward and thinking people are going to resonate with being able to relate to the people in the story because the characters that we are creating are very much everyday type of people. And I think that everyone listening will have certain characters that they're definitely able to relate to and then characters that remind them of people around them that they resist. And so hopefully through these examples, we can give just another way of getting this useful information across to people in actual applicable situations.
0: Yeah. So what we did was we had listeners out there that were really resonating with the examples when we started telling stories about fictional characters. And so the idea over, I would say maybe a year and a half, two years, it was kind of a process that we went through. We had some creative energy. We started putting it out there and then we eventually revisited. So anyway, it came to be that we started creating and writing fictional stories around one family And how they all interact and pulling experiences that we've both had over our lives or just observing in in movies or or in in our actual lives and writing stories in which Alexander and I can then reflect on to bring in the just philosophy and all the aspects that we've talked about over the, the last 112 episodes more in depth, more in the mental and show them in more of a visually stimulating, imaginative way.
1: Yes, yes. And I think that new style of bringing in, we can say even more of the feminine energy, since we recently did an episode on feminine and masculine divine energy, that that's what we're looking to bring in is a little bit more relatability and to make sure that people don't feel talked at, that we're really interested in the community that we've developed and sharing back and forth. And so hopefully the storytelling and then you and I break down five main aspects of that story that we're going to discuss. And then in the final version, you and I discuss those in great detail and give options of what the different people in the different situations can do. So there's both going to be a free version and then there will be a paid version as well. So we hope to to hit many different levels with everyone.
0: Yeah, and it won't be so dense because we've already discussed many topics in a very dense way. So this is more of a light way and more step-by-step way on how to do these things. But if you ever want to know more about the subjects that we do discuss, we have the 112 plus episodes available to dive deeper into those. Absolutely. So with that, we will wrap this up. Really appreciate, Alexander, you being a good sport of Mm. all the questions. They were uh,
1: all uh, good surprises uh, (laughs) because I don't know if we mentioned, but he didn't share any of the questions with me before we got started. So that's part of the spontaneity of this that I don't think many people realize that we actually do that the majority of the time. We don't set up too much about what we're going to talk about so we can leave part of that spontaneity in the live recording.
0: And so we all hope that you tune in to our next episode, which we will be starting the story format of this podcast and we definitely look forward to your feedback we do thrive off that so yes really appreciate any feedback you give us and let's continue journeying
1: much love everyone
0: We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise.
1: And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results.
0: The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That dot com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com V E R I T E E S A P P A R E L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.